0: Welcome back to seeing life from a different angle. I thought today as a topic it would be interesting to consider is what is it that drives us to be tempted to do things that at the long in the long run or even sometimes in the short run just seem so unhealthy for us? I don't think there's anyone that can claim, certainly no completely human being, and for that I therefore am offering any type of exception to Christ, of course, because he was not just a human being, but divine. But I think there's not a single human being that cannot consider themselves untempted in life. You know, we're tempted to do things that ultimately may not be healthy for us and oftentimes are not healthy for us. They seem so at the time. They seem to offer us almost some sense of relief or some sense of gratitude or gratification, I should say. And yet, after everything is said and done, they're empty. They're just moments that gratify us and then or ease our tension, but then they're gone. We've talked before about the idea that each of us has artificial pleasures in our lives, and I don't think it's something that we can claim not to have for all of us. You know, these pleasures are designed for, you know, with one purpose in mind, and that purpose is to ease our psychological tension perhaps even easing some physical tension in the process, but one way or another it's an easing of tension instead of a gaining of gratification. Because gratification ultimately comes with true connection, and true connection can only be between human beings who are engaged and interested in engaging in healthy ways. So you can look around you, you see plenty of people who are involved with each other and they say, you know, I love this person or I love that person, but Truth be told, when we look a little bit deeper, the question is, do they really love? Because to love is to will the good of the other. And the question is, do I do that because I'm willing the good of the other person, or am I doing that because it provides some measure of gratification for me, either artificial pleasure or fantasized pleasure? But it's only when there is true and genuine love for another human being, when we will their good and indeed, when we love them the way that God loves us, we can say that we are willing to love them even if we get nothing in return. And I think, again, we must draw the, the difference here between individuals who feel obsessed with someone and believe that they love this person no matter what because ultimately obsession is just an indication as well that we are in a state of seeking attention reduction instead of truly being there for the other. And so let's go back to the idea of temptation because I think when we consider temptation, what are we talking about here? We're talking about ultimately trying to find some way to ease our psychological and and or physical tension. And so when we think about it this way, we have these moments, whatever they might be, whether it is some type of physical aggression, some type of sexual behavior, you know, some, some act of theft, some act of, you know, using drugs or alcohol, whatever they might be, at the key, at the core of these things, the key is this, is that it always relates in some way to the gratification of the body. Most artificial pleasure does, because after everything is said and done, when we are separated from the wide open reality that is where the greatest joy and happiness comes from in life when we truly have joy on this earth which is not to be found again not in the complete sense until we if we're blessed go to heaven we can say this is that we find ourselves oftentimes we find ourselves seeking out these means of tension reduction something that will give us a sense that we're feeling something, that we are feeling some measure of joy. But truth be told, unless it is a joy that comes from, or a happiness, a true, genuine happiness that comes from connection, all we're really doing is gratifying our own egos. And as long as we are gratifying our own egos, you know, because or in ways that are unhealthy for us, then what we are doing is not finding ourselves In a place of connection we're not finding ourselves. no matter how much we may believe that we are connected to another we're not finding ourselves in love we're finding ourselves focused on saving or nourishing the ego but not in ways that are healthy for us okay so that being said you know we are all tempted to find these things that will ease the tension to maintain some psychological status quo so what option do we have when we think about it You know, we didn't begin life this way. None of us did. No matter how long we were in that blessed place of feeling a connection with God and feeling a connection with our mothers, whether it was just seconds, sadly, or whether it was hours, weeks, months, or even years, you know, that's what we ultimately long to return to. We didn't begin life with a blank slate. We didn't begin life in a horrible place. We began life in a beautiful place that it was full of love a love that came from god a love that came from our mothers or at least we hope so but the world takes us and bends us and twists us contorts us pulls us toward an unhealthier way of living and temptation comes about because we start looking for things that will ease the tension things that will give us a moment of gratification even if it is not real or at least not real in the sense that's going to be long-standing or really, truly satisfying. So what can we do? And that's the difficult piece, because there's no one prescription that you can have to get out of that space. The the thing that really is required, more than anything, is that we have to face the fact, one simple fact. As long as we live and believe that we are the most important being in the world, we will fail. We will fail. You know, I I wrote this quote the other day on seeing life from a different angle, the Facebook page. And it was a quote from C.S. Lewis about prayer. And this gentleman responded to this thought, and and the way he responded, and I'm just gonna paraphrase this, but the way he responded was to say that we don't pray to God, or as he put it, to an external being. We pray to ourselves, to that inner core of who we are. And my response to him was, well, first, that's interesting, because that certainly is an interesting perspective, and I'm sure that many people have it, but it's such a subjective perspective. And as long as we live in subjectivism, as long as we focus only on what's going on inside of us, we will never know love. We will always be tempted to try to find some gratification that, you know, brings us back to that very primitive place that we first found ourselves when we fell from the great heights of that wide-open reality into the deep fear-based place of the myopic reality. And so in order for us to begin this process, we have to begin by recognizing I'm only thinking of myself. And as long as I'm only thinking of myself, I will always live in fear. I will always live without love. And so if I can give you one bit of guidance, because as I say, everybody is different. The first bit of guidance I would say to you is this. I would encourage you, each of you, and I encourage myself all the time to do the same thing. But to recognize that, you know, as long as we are thinking of ourselves, we are thinking in unhealthy ways. And so the first step is to begin to recognize that that's what we're doing. Because in recognizing that we begin the process of climbing the stairs back toward a healthier perspective on life, a healthier way of relating to other people, a healthier way of finding love, and ultimately, if we are truly blessed, giving ourselves a glimpse once again of that wide open reality. Be well.